0: This is Daniel Fagello, and you're listening to the AI and Business Podcast. It's Thursday, and you know what that means. It's the Making the Business Case episode here on the AI and Business Podcast, where we talk about ROI, adoption, and the realities of bringing AI into the enterprise. There's a lot of challenges and also a lot of opportunities, and that's what Thursdays are about. This week, we interview Jim Benton. He's the CEO of Chorus.ai. Chorus has raised over $100 million to bring artificial intelligence into sales training in the enterprise. And as it turns out, that's no easy task. It's a big challenge to change various elements of workflows in the enterprise. As you guys know, if you've been tuned into the show for a long time, there's a lot of ways that smart vendors and internal AI leaders in, in enterprises have to think about How they present the value of these offerings to their subject matter experts, to the people that are going to use the tech, to their leadership to get approval to move those projects forward. And we talk in this episode about getting enterprises to adopt an AI solution. How do we downplay some of the things that could be intimidating? And also, how do we frame and build? a product and how do we influence a workflow in a way that adds a lot more value than it takes away in a way that presents a lot more upside than it presents potential risks for things blowing up and AI projects definitely blow up. But if you raise a hundred million dollars, You figured out a couple things about adding value, and that's exactly what I shake out of Jim's head in this episode. I really appreciate Jim talking fast with me and getting into a lot of nitty-gritty about what it takes to get enterprise folks to move forward with AI projects. If you're also interested in selling artificial intelligence-related products or services, in other words, if you run a vendor company or you're a sales leader, or maybe you're a consultant, we have tons of consultants who are Emerge Plus members, you'll want to check out Emerge Plus. It's emerj.com slash p1, and you can learn more about Emerge Plus, just emerj.com slash p1. P1. And there, you'll be able to see all of our best practice guides for presenting the ROI of AI. So when it comes to making the business case and moving through the sales process for AI services and solutions, there's things that we have to do in terms of finding pockets of AI value. There's things we have to do in terms of assessing maturity of our client. There's things we have to do in terms of conveying strategic value, not just making short-term financial promises about ROI. And that's really what Emerge Plus is about. In addition, you get access to all of our use cases and all of our white papers. And you can subscribe for as long or as short as you like. You can check it out at emerj.com slash p1. For those of you who are in business uh, and really offering these kinds of solutions to bigger clients, we've built Emerge Plus for you. So I'd really admonish you to check it out if you haven't already. And I appreciate all of you who are listening in who are already members. Uh, thanks so much for being part of the squad. So without further ado, let's roll right into this episode. This is Jim Benton talking to us about getting enterprises to adopt an AI solution here on the AI in Business podcast. Jim, uh, I want to get into making the business case. This is our Thursday series here and speak to you a little bit about what in your mind are kind of the unique considerations for adopting an AI solution versus a traditional IT or SaaS kind of a solution. When we're talking to a client, we're, we're getting them ready to sort of you know, hopefully say yes and, and bring on board our, our solution. What do we have to really have them know about AI that makes it different than uh, you know, what they're used to?
1: I think the first consideration is that they're going to be sharing a lot more context about what's happening in the interactions, their calls and meetings, where other team members are going to have a much deeper understanding of what's happening around them. And the AI aspect of that is to helping to quickly understand and make it easy to digest that large volume of recordings into quick snippets, into quick moments, into the moments that matter most. But the first thing is getting comfortable with sharing a lot more, having these interactions be visible and open to your teammates, which is so critical for training and onboarding, but it's, it's a bit of a new motion for many.
0: Yeah. How's about just sort of data infrastructure? So we, we've got to sort of integrate systems. I take it with you folks, you mentioned in a previous interview, Zendesk and email are, are uh, sort of sources of data you can draw from. But, but calls, I, I take it, is sort of the bread and butter of the company, at least at the time of this recording here. We've got to be able to kind of hook into that. And then we've got to be able to kind of successfully label and annotate that stuff. I would guess most of that labeling and annotation happens on your end based on a bajillion other calls for very common things like pricing and introductions and really specific thing, you know, asking for a next meeting, things that are easily labelable because you have a million instances of them. But some maybe is new, right? Well, this, this client is selling, who knows, some really obscure legal software or maybe some, some kind of uh, hardware that's that's in, in its own little niche. And maybe we're, we're going to need to somehow label and train that stuff. So w- what do we actually have to hook up to and integrate? And then what are we actually asking the client to be a part of in terms of that training of the model? Uh, because some of it's out of the box, but some of it ain't. So what's involved there?
1: Yeah, to get set up, look, we want to get deeply into their interaction. So we first, connect into their email and calendar system so we can be invited to the meetings. We understand all of the different meetings that the sales team and customer success teams are having with customers. Second, we have some deep integration for those that use Zoom. We're actually the only native Zoom integration out there so that we can just show up beautifully integrated into the Zoom experience as a participant basically access the recordings of those calls yep. so that we can do some deep learning on that and deep extraction of, of what happened. And then lastly, plugging into their CRM. So if that's a Salesforce instance, being able to understand the deals and uh, more context around the people and the companies that we're engaging with. Uh, they have the titles and the, the, the value of a, what stage is the deal, what's the deal amount, is it going up and down? And when you put all of that together, you know, then what we have is out of the box, we have a bunch of different topics that we already define, you know, yes. next steps and pricing and budget risk and topics that we see across the board in sales and kind of go to market revenue teams yep, yep. that we know we're going to show up and want to track. And then we have the ability to automatically do topic uh, extraction, uh, which is a patented area for us where we can start to identify your business. And what are some of the things that are coming up that we want to, that are showing up and that we should start to call out and track for you? And lastly, the ability for you to preset up specific areas that you want to track, you know, and identify those moments and calls anytime they show up. So a lot of times people have different sales methodologies. They they use a, a, a you know, winning by designs ACE or a Sandler, or a MedPick, uh, you know, force management, and you want to track, did your sales team follow and adhere to that? Those are different types of moments that you want to track in a call as well.
0: Yeah. Okay. Got it. So I, and I think, you know, one of the reasons I, we asked, folks about this, Jim, and, and why we, we have this whole series about making the business case, we talk to enterprise leaders, we talk to vendors like yourself, we talk to VCs who are, are seeing which of their companies are succeeding and, and not succeeding in terms of selling, is because there, there's kind of an evolution here of hopefully making things easier for the user. I think two years ago, everybody would say it's push button simple. Nobody knew what what was the interface? What are we hooking into? Who, who does what? Now, I think smart companies are making the heavy lifting on the side of the client as minimal as possible whenever possible. Um, and right. it sounds like for you folks, you know, there's the out-of-the-box normal sales phase question stuff that, that everybody's gonna get. We know what we're hooking into for APIs, but then there's this additional ability to sort of layer in, okay, here's the here's the, the phases of a call one, call two, call three that we track that are important for us as a company. So there's the ability to add that. There's also the ability to add specific jargon lingo benchmarks checkpoints competitors whatever for for our specific company when when that happens again this is what's maybe a little bit different about IT is a client maybe has to talk to you about that when you get started is the integration process you know you, you hook into all your APIs you have your out of the box features is the integration process around hey look what what on top of this do you want to be able to see client and then you sort of work with them around what you'd score you know how you'd score it. You get a couple calls. You, you double check on what they want labeled how, and then you can kind of have your team do that work on the back end. Or are they a part, the client, a part of that labeling and management to make sure the system works? How does that
1: operate? Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. It's understanding what's important to them, what they want to to track as well. So, for example, certain customers might want to track whether they're talking about a certain discount or a coupon, yeah, or yeah. something that could really impact deals and specifically use discounts you know, are there reps offering discounts in the first 10 minutes of a call? If so, they know that really negatively impacts the outcome. So how do we understand what calls where this is happening? How do we train the reps? How do we look for this from both the compliancy and also from a coaching aspect? And so different businesses know different approaches that they want to spot. And we help them to go do that and to, you know, understand if they're following the right approach.
0: Yeah. And it feels to me like, again, unlike some systems and different kinds of business processes that might involve a tremendous amount of in-house data science talent, hypothetically, and I'm not trying to toot your horn, but it really does seem like it might be able to be this easy. If they can articulate what they want to track and if you can show them different instances of how you think you're going to cut that up and label it and, and integrate it then, hypothetically, you can take that assignment. You can take that handoff. Your teams can do the relevant labeling for their unique business. You can double check, make sure it's showing up properly in the feeds for those sales managers. You'll need you'll need a, a bunch of champions you can work with. They're going to have to work with you a bit, but but hopefully you can kind of bake that into their experience without them actually having to to get too hands on. Is there a place for for the data science uh, staff of the the companies you're working for here? Or or is it mostly just talking to subject matter experts, making sure the outputs are looking good, and and you guys are just doing the labeling on your side?
1: I think that's why this category has been so explosive, is that it is fairly easy. It is fairly out of the box. Our ability, because we're connected to so many other companies in the space, our AI set gets stronger and stronger. We're learning from millions and millions of hours of of, of calls that we're listening to. And so we're able to look at these predefined topics and patterns that we know are going to show up in your business. You're going to have next steps. You're going to have discovery questions. You're going to have at-risk deals. You're going to have, you know, agenda setting. And therefore, we can auto build those for yeah, you. Yeah. And then if we identify the new ones, we, we we start to put those together or work with your team. But I think the out-of-the-box side has been incredibly strong so that there's value immediately.
0: Yeah, cool. So, and, and is there a solid percentage of the folks you work with who are just going to use that? They're not even going to look to integrate, you know, their unique competitor language or their unique whatever that they're selling something that's you have enough trained information on it's not that different they just want to know the at-risk deals they want to know when does pricing come up they want to know you know basic things and just just understand it have a dashboard is there a percentage of folks who are just going to straight use the out of the box and not even get into asking you guys to custom train and feature uh for for their interface
1: well we definitely want to do all the all the advanced stuff i mean that is that is the the horsepower here but right out of the box it is remarkable, if you think about the before state that these companies are in, where they have very little access to understanding what happens actually in the call. And you know, are we bringing the best of the company to this interaction? Is this deal which the rep just said is maybe not going to close? Why? We just don't understand the why to anything. And so out of the box, we help them understand why a rep might not be performing, why a deal didn't close. Why did the new product line we just roll out fail? Oh, it's because the East Coast team <laughs> isn't even talking about it until the 18th minute of the call, and the West Coast team who's shining talks about it in the first 10 minutes. That's the difference, and so the why is unknown right now. And out of the box, we help them answer that. And then I do to your point, it is important to start to customize and to build your own custom trackers around your competitors and those data sets, and that's the magic of what we're doing.
0: Yeah, but I guess a big focus for me is how do we get this stuff to work in enterprise, and it's really not a problem of the algorithms; it's a problem of what is the workflow and what are we asking the client to do? Because asking the client to understand, you know, feature engineering at a robust level is often too much to ask. And it sounds like yeah. for, for you folks, you're able to have the conversation with them around what they want to customize and then actually do the, the feature engineering on your side and just validate it with them. Because you had mentioned you have kind of the, the taggers and, and folks yeah. that can do the back end and work there.
1: I think the one other area, Dan, is that on the coaching side, you know, the enterprises typically do have a, a core methodology. Our ability to set that up as a scorecard so that their leadership team can simply click one button that says coach a call, and it predefines the questions that they need to go through. Did we tell a good story on the call? And one to five, where's that rated? Give some feedback. But that makes it incredibly easy to pull out your phone at the end of the night, see a list of the calls that have happened, jump basically right to a moment where an objection came up. And then give some quick coaching of whether we did it right or wrong, or what we could have done to make it better, and that out of the box helps to just open up coaching, you know, team wide.
0: And and this is against a lot of the major hurdles of adopting AI, is sort of the complexity of integration, the amount of in-house skill set we're now asking the client to to employ, uh, things like the feature engineering, which which it sounds like you guys are doing a lot of the handling of. Um, when you think about what has you know you folks have a hundred people now, you've raised a good amount of money. Farther along than most B2B AI firms. When you think about, you know, what's been part of that success, you know, making it so that people can actually adopt, you know, deploy, you know, for lack of better terms, buy this stuff. You know, it seems as though relative out of the box not requiring too much change to workflow and not requiring too much AI expertise, that, that feels like one one success factor. When it comes to other things around around AI that, that you folks feel like you've packaged well to actually make it digestible, sellable, what else is in there that 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 you would kind of attribute to a bit of the success you folks have seen?
1: I think one of the keys, especially when selling sales tech, is that the end user, the sales professional, the AE or the CSM has to get value. So if they have to think about using a solution, those solutions usually fail. And And so I do like the fact that we just show up. But the second part is, do they get value? Do they enjoy it? Will they rave about it? And so the fact that you can now have the most perfect note taker join every call so that you can focus on your customer and someone's tracking the notes, they're writing down the next step questions, they're emailing you a recap of this, they're sending a snippet to your manager, they are getting real value, especially if they refer back to this call in two weeks and they're getting ready for their next call. So I think one of the keys is the end user has to want to fight for this, to get value from it and lean in. And, and that part is what's really big about conversation intelligence. It brings value to AEs. It helps them close more deals.
0: Yeah, certainly if, if, you're, if it's mostly them using it, uh, certainly they've got to like it. And it, it really feels like it's, it's kind of drumming home a point that we just see time and time again, where the success of AI being deployed in an enterprise is often just going to be how seamlessly can we integrate it as an enhancement to an existing workflow or, or not an addition in terms of effort, but an addition in terms of value to an existing workflow and try to minimize everything else as much as we can. It almost feels like that's what we have to do to make AI work because it's, it's asking too much to do otherwise. I don't know if you'd agree, but.
1: Well, I think that you have to have the AI. I mean, the, the volume of data that's being collected at the enterprise and the ability to glean insights. I'll use the COVID just as an example. Yeah. We were looking how often was COVID-19 being mentioned in sales calls? And so we looked at the data across the entire platform. You know, on February 23rd, 8% of calls had a COVID-19 mention. A week later, is was 29%. March 8th, it was 63% of all calls had COVID and it was 98%. And we started to look at that based on the case data. But think about that small example. If you're a major enterprise and you want to look at a competitive mention or, you know, you roll out a new feature and how it's doing, you need at scale to be able to look at all of these recordings and calls, which you just couldn't do if you're listening to this. And AI is the only way that you're going to be able to really, you know, get that level of insight out of that amount of you know volume of data.
0: Yeah. And to the point I was saying, I think the only way they're going to get that insight out of the, that amount of data is if that AI doesn't ask so much of them. In other words, if they don't have to do a tremendous amount of the the early legwork to adopt a new interface that they're working within or learn about how to train the darn system themselves as much as possible. It feels like the more that that can just
1: kind of be labeled and work for them in the systems they're already in,
0: the better. And it seems like that's what you guys have tried to strike at.
1: I think so. I would use Waze as maybe the best example there, which was you hmm. pull out your Waze. What's unique about Waze, it looks the same as maybe other mapping systems. We've all used Waze navigation. Yep. But what's so fundamentally different is that the people ahead of us driving, as we all know, are helping us to become better drivers. We're just simply a few minutes behind them, but we know there's a pothole. We know there's a left turn we should take. And the more drivers that use Waze, the better the system. And that's very much what chorus is. So as enterprises come on, because we have such a large community using it, we have these insights of what works best and how to help predefine and add that level of coaching. We know that certain talk times... Don't lead to, you know, if the talk time is, is too long or the monologue is too long, that negatively impacts a deal. And we can bring these insights day one into customers while we learn their data set. But Waze is that example. We're having this connected network that continually gets stronger. This coaching network is what's so powerful to bring value day one.
0: Waze, again, was an instance where a user is just using it, right? And I think that's the ideal with B2B AI tech is you're just using it. Uh, it doesn't right. look that different, doesn't feel that different, but it delivers more value. It is damn hard, Jim, as you're well aware, to actually make that happen B two B like that. Is, that is that is way harder than the algorithms. Like whoever figures that out is worth <laughs> seventeen Carnegie Mellon PhDs, in my opinion, because like that's where the money is. But uh, it's cool to see where you guys are are moving and shaking to make that work. I hope that for those of you who are listening in, um, some of these lessons are sinking home about you know what does it take to make something that can click. and and can integrate, and Jim's done a good job of explaining it. So, Jim, I know that's all we have for time, but thank you so much for joining us again on the show here. Thank you, Dan. So that's all for this episode of the AI and Business Podcast. I hope you enjoyed some of Jim's insights. I think that, again, a company that's growing quickly, raising a lot of money, and finding a fit for AI within an enterprise, which is no small task. I think that those perspectives are crucial, whether you're in a big enterprise or whether you're running a small company. I think that take is something that everybody needs a little bit of. And again, I appreciate Jim for being able to join us. Be sure if you're not already, if you're listening to this episode and you're not already subscribed, be sure to subscribe. We are on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the whole nine yards. And if you're interested in more use cases and more insights about financial services, which is one of the fastest moving enterprise spaces for artificial intelligence then also subscribe for AI and financial services very easy you just type in AI and financial services on Apple Podcasts on SoundCloud or on Spotify it is hosted by me as well except we keep a focus on the cutting edge of fintech and financial services artificial intelligence use cases so there's a lot of good insights there so if you enjoy the audio be sure to be a subscriber and check out our other show as well I appreciate having you here Uh, other than that we're going to wrap up this episode I'll catch you next Tuesday for our use case episode here on the AI and business podcast Thank you.